NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Moore's Matt Common here with you for this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are you doing? You know what? I'm doing good, man. We had a solid, solid week of high school football, uh, with one exception being the Hope Loud and Fostoria game. That one was a little tough to watch at different points, but, you know, still some good takeaways from that game overall. But I'll tell you what, man, it, it's it's a great week, great great show on deck for everyone tonight. Got some great interviews lined up for you. More importantly, NFL starting, baby. That, that's all I know. It, but football season is officially here in force. We have high school. We have college. We have the NFL. Now all that's missed is the Arena League to magically come back, and I got everything sports-wise I could possibly ask for throughout the fall. So I- I'm excited. Let's get after it. It's, it's going to be a good show tonight. Here on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios, we'll, of course, talk with Kevin Harris to talk Ohio State and college football. We'll catch up with Mike Lento, Lakota head football coach. They're 2-1 this season. They take on Calvert this Friday night. And we'll talk with Finley head football coach Stefan Adams. The Trojans won big against Southview in Week 3. This week, they will take on Clay, and we'll talk about the NFL, which will be starting up here soon enough. We may not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. So I can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com. And, of course, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this Friday night. It'll all get started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Frickers Studios. Bar Wilson Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games around the area for week four of high school football. On Classic Kits, we'll have more action in the BVC. Arlington will finally be at home after three games on the road to start the season. They'll bring in Elmwood Friday night. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have coverage of that one from Arlington. Friday on Classic, it's 96.7. On WFOB, we'll have coverage of an SBC River battle. Lakota taking on Calvert. Pete Seymour, Tom Grind will have that one for you Friday on WFOB. Then after the game, stay tuned in for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will recap all the games from around the air. You can hear that on Friday once the games have wrapped up. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, Awful Announcing, and the comeback here on the NWO. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. 
We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB, Lance Moore's Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes will be back on the field to open up play at Ohio Stadium. They will play host to Youngstown State. Pre-game will start at 10.30 AM with kickoff coming at noon. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here in the Frickers Zoom room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Uh, doing good. Thank you again for, for taking the time to talk with us, and we always appreciate your time. Speaking of your time, you we, we talked about it briefly on the show last week, but we had uh, Ryan, your colleague from Mean at Midfield, fill, fill, fill in for you, and you were planning, even though you were vacationing overseas – you were still planning on talking to us about Ohio State and college football. So first off, thank you for that. We much appreciate it. But secondly, why the heck weren't you just enjoying your time overseas? Uh, you know, I was enjoying my time overseas. It's just sometimes that overlaps with uh, Ohio State football. So um, it is what it is. So you, of course, still were able to take in Ohio State's win over Indiana not the most exciting game. It was a win. There was not a whole lot, at least on the surface, really from it. But what kind of were some of your overall takeaways from uh, from their first game? Yeah, I mean, it's the. I think the most jarring thing um, was that the offensive line was very bad. Um, I think, I mean, if you, I don't know if specifically if I talked about it on this show, um, but. I think just this was a, a, a kind of a question mark for, frankly, years past. Like two years ago, I could have told you that Ohio State's offensive line was going to be in trouble in 2023 um, based on just how they've recruited the position and the uh, unit. Um, and, and that's why a lot of people were confused why Greg Stadrawa lost his job uh, ahead of last season. And well, that's why you're now seeing it um, because the on-field results the past few years didn't really indicate that you should be firing your offensive line coach, but the recruiting um, several years of recruiting missteps and such um, have produced what we have right now. And the truth is, um, you know, you've got a, a average, maybe even below average, um, you know, starting left tackle from the mountain West. Uh, it, it Josh in Josh Simmons. Um, so he was like a below average tackle in the mountain West and he was immediately able to transfer to Ohio state and start. And so, and he was clearly the best option at left tackle. Like that's, you know, so that that's an indictment on what Ohio state's kind of tackle situation was um, that an average mountain West tackle was 
by far the best tackle available in um, at Ohio State. And so, like, I know people are going to want to pile him, pile onto him um, after this game and, you know, future starts. But uh, the reality is that it's not really like he shouldn't have had to be playing for Ohio State at this point. Like, I applaud him for, like, taking on the job and, uh, you know, making the best move for himself and stuff. But, like, Ohio State should not have um, Josh Simmons as its left tackle. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, but it is what it is. And you saw the struggles, especially early on. I think the offensive line did get better um, as the game went on. It's still not a good run-blocking offensive line. I think it will get better at protecting Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. We'll talk about the quarterback situation in a little bit. Um, but the offensive line was jarringly bad, especially to start. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll see how that progresses. Um, obviously, it's you know first game jitters for everyone, especially when you have three new starting offensive linemen. But um, outside of that, I think the other big takeaway is the defense was awesome. You know, I I cannot um, emphasize enough how good the defense was. I, I think we talked, I wrote a piece kind of heading into the season over at Meet at Midfield talking about how everyone just assumes that the Ohio State offense is going to be really good um, when you're looking at like the skill players and stuff like that. But the reality is that the defense is like has by far fewer question marks and you know i think you saw that this week um with just how they ohio state was able to lean on its defense until the offense kind of got going and did enough you really look at it i think they held indiana to like 2.8 points or uh, yards per play and indiana never got closer to the end zone than its own or than ohio state's 22 yard line um i i you know i think they had like um I, I don't remember basically Ohio State's defense was super 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 dominant and that's kind of a departure from what we've seen in previous years uh, or in recent years when Ohio State's defense has been its liability for you know four of the past five years and maybe cost them multiple national titles but this year it seems like the defense is going to be able to keep things close until maybe the offense can figure things out this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios talking with Kevin Harris, writer for me at midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Let's kind of stick with the offensive line for just a moment because we had talked the last few weeks about how we weren't anticipating the line being all that great. We see what happens on Saturday and it, you know, it, it manifests itself. So what really can they do to improve? Obviously, you can get better just overall as the season goes, but by and large, unless there's injury, an injury, this is what we're going to get for the most part throughout the year. So kind of really, how do they improve aside from just, I guess, regular football stuff of getting better? Yeah, I mean, they don't. That's the truth. Um, this kind of is what it is unless each individual player gets better. I think Ryan Day kind of hit on it a little bit in his press conference. It's not like he was optimistic that by and large, it's not like a player being physically bad at football necessarily. Like the physical traits are there. Like the physical ability is there. It's not like these guys were getting just like blown off the line of scrimmage or just like blown up physically or anybody was just like running around Josh Simmons. So that's the good news. The bad news is all of the mistakes are like mental and like not being in the right place, not finding the right assignment, um, not getting to your place quick enough not really being comfortable in the offense, like those sort of things. So like, that's good and bad news because like on one hand, um, 
it means that hypothetically the players are good enough to have a strong offensive line or at least you know a good enough offensive line um the bad news is like those aren't really mistakes that you want to be making necessarily especially as you're breaking in a new quarterback so um I, I think the improvement could come in terms of just being more familiar with playing each other with with playing with each other um you know playing with these teammates because the other thing is like they didn't solidify on an offensive line until like a week before the start of the season. So these guys, while they have all been getting first team reps with each other throughout the off season, it hasn't been like this set offensive line, um, you know, until like a week before the season, like Victor Cutler was kind of pushing for the starting center job until like a week before the season. So um, I think just with familiarity and just these guys kind of becoming more confident and comfortable with their roles it could improve, but um, you're not like like fans who are calling for the um, the backup at any of these positions. Like, oh well, let's give them a try. Like, you don't want to see the depth. Like, I I promise you, you do not want to see um, whoever is backing up any of these positions. Like, I I assure you, this is as good as it's going to get uh, in terms of talent. Um, maybe they can improve with just familiarity. But like, don't be calling for the backups. I've seen how <laughs> this team is recruited the past, you know, three years. There's a reason why Greg Stadrawa was fired. This is as good as it gets, I promise. And if Ohio State could have had a better option than um, playing a average Mountain West tackle at left tackle, they would have, I promise. The, the next best option is probably Tegra Chibola, who I love Tegra. I think he's a great player. Um, but I also think he's a guard. I think he's much better on the interior line. He tried to play tackle this offseason, and it just kind of didn't work for him, um, which makes sense. That's just not the way his body is. That's not the way his feet work. Um, but that's the next best option at tackle, and I I just don't think that that's realistic, nor do I think any of the guys behind them is realistic. So the offensive line is what it is, uh, but they can get better just with comfort. The offense as a whole, I mean – Obviously, some fans are going to go to the doom and gloom. Oh my gosh, we're terrible. Things of that nature. But I, it is. Should we be at all concerned with the fact that it looked more like the Cade Stover and Julian Fleming show than it did seeing Harrison and Mbuka because they got they combined for five catches. I think Stover had more on his own. Is that something to worry about, or is that just what it was for that game? Yeah, I mean. It that is a little concerning. Um, I I I don't know. It's it's not something until you see it as a pattern. If that's like how the case is against Youngstown State or um, you know Western Kentucky or Notre Dame or something like that, like then it's a real concern. I think part of it is just a younger quarterback that isn't really comfortable forcing the ball to um, frankly a receiver that's covered. I think a lot of like you look back at Marvin Harrison Jr.'s highlights from last year, you see a lot of catches in traffic that CJ Stroud was just as a second year starter. Um, you know, obviously he was a first round pick for a reason, has all the confidence in the world in his arm. He was willing to just toss the ball up sometimes and let Marvin Harrison Jr. make a play. And I don't think that's what Kyle McCord was going to do in his, you know, first time as a full-time starter in college football. Uh, so I, I think part of it is that um, the other thing that, that really blew my mind a little bit was there was a lot of times when things just like simply weren't designed for either of those players. And I think that's going to change in the future, but it was very bizarre. Like it was almost like they were countering off of 
Abuka and Harrison being on the field or like their skill sets without ever actually throwing to them in the first place. People just, just like, it was like Indiana assumed that the ball was going to go to them. So they countered off of it before uh, even setting it up. So maybe we'll see that change a little bit. What kind of got me was like Ohio State's insistence really on running 12 and 21 personnel. And so like, basically that means either two running back sets or two tight end sets. And Ohio State's done that for years. And it really hasn't made too much sense to me because they have the best wide receivers in the country, but you never see this team go four or five wide. So even just like things, if you remember the, the failed four, fourth down conversion where McCord threw an interception, uh, there were really only two options to throw to on that play. One of them fell down. It was Chip Trianum, and the other was Cade Stover, who was the second option. Those were the only two like eligible receivers that were going downfield for a pass. And that's really bizarre when you would draw up a play where Stover and Trianum are the only two, uh, you know, real options on the field when you have Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming, Carnell Tate, like those sort of guys on the sideline. Like, I just don't love drawing up a fourth down play that takes all of your best players off the field. So I, on one hand, I don't think it's really a concern in the long run because like Abuka and Harrison didn't get worse, but the offense did not seem to be playing to their strengths. So we'll see. I think as McCord or, you know, Devin Brown, we don't even really know who the quarterback is going to be in, in the long run. Ryan Dave really didn't commit to that. Um, I, I think as whoever the quarterback is gets more comfortable throughout the season, you will see him start to just, you know, let Marvin Harrison Jr. go make a play. But um, that kind of is going to take maybe a few games. Talk with Kevin Harris here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB and you mentioned it with you know the difference play calling things of that nature Brian Hartline is the one running the offense correct it's no longer truly the Ryan Day offense Hartline is the one making these calls right well no no he is not okay so he's um, not. that was that was supposed to be the plan that was going to be the plan and Ryan Day had mentioned that he was you know considering moving away from play calling but Ryan Day is the primary play caller still okay. that doesn't mean there's there's a lot more that goes into the offense than just calling plays obviously like game planning and um you know really installing plays and that sort of thing during practice but Ryan Day for now is going to be the primary play caller um i i think at some point the hope is that he can you know maybe in blowout games or something like that, uh, Brian Hartline can start getting his, um, getting his, you know, experience as a play caller. Um, but for now, Ryan Day is still the primary play caller. And I think you could definitely see that Ryan Day really does like to be a little bit uh, not predictable. <laughs> and um, sometimes it seems like he, you know, uh, is a little too smart for his own self when, you're taking your best players out on the field to um, throw a pass to a third string running back. You know, like it, it, he just gets a little too cute sometimes, in my opinion. Um, I'm obviously not the one that's paid millions of dollars to coach a football <laughs> team, but uh, it is still his offense. It is not Brian Hartline's offense. So I think that could be part of the reason why you're seeing. Um, I, I I don't think Brian Hartline would have taken Ameka Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field because that's like his position group. So. Well, that that makes it kind of worse because it's like you said, 
he, maybe it is getting too cute. Maybe you can chalk it up to that. But I mean, it's like it's like you said, you have all these wide receivers. Maybe let's go a four wide set every now and then. It doesn't have to be every play, but mm-hmm. maybe let's try it out and see if we can give it the good old college try. Right. And what's even more perplexing is that Ohio State really only has one true like experienced tight end with Cade Stover. And they kind of lost Mitch Rossi, who is their second tight end, who is more of their like blocking and um, fullback type tight end. But, you know, now he's gone and there really isn't another guy on the roster that's similar to the way that Rossi played. They kind of used Chip Trianum in that role a little bit this week as kind of a fullback. But it makes it even make less sense that they're still continuing to use two tight ends and two running backs with kind of the way the roster makeup i guess so it's it's very perplexing um you're you're preaching to the choir if you're confused about why ohio state has not gone to four or five wide sets really ever under ryan day um i i think they should at least you know give it a try but um they haven't and i'm not sure if we ever will see that um so yeah i i i 100 percent understand the question and um i'm just as confused as you why they haven't even just like given that is an option uh in really frankly five years that ryan day has been leading the offense on the flip side though as you talked about before the defense was really good how much is the defense being good and how much is indiana not exactly having a stellar offense Oh, you know, it's it's a little bit of both. Like Indiana is not a team that, you know, you really want to write home about in terms of how good they are on offense, but Ohio State's defense is legitimately played very well. Um, Indiana is still a power five team and they have a, a lot of issues at quarterback and they were figuring things out. But like, this is a defense that um, really everybody who played on Saturday looked very solid. They knew their assignments uh, starting from the front to the back, like the defensive line was aggressive. They were getting a lot of pressure, especially on the inside, which is, I think we're going to continue to see, um, the linebackers looked great. Um, you know, we had a little bit of rotation, Josh Proctor, you know, I, I have been a critic of Josh Proctor for, you know, years. Um, but he looked great when he was playing. Um, I think we're going to see kind of a battle between him, Jahad Carter and uh, Malik Hartford, um, for, whoever ends up being the the starter in that role. Um, but man, like the defense legitimately looked really good. Um, and, and the other thing is they seemed, it seemed like Indiana ran an option, basically um, an option look for the entire game. Like that was their primary offensive identity was uh, an option, like a speed option uh, sort of set. And Ohio state did not prepare for that at all. Like, you know, Jim Knowles said that they maybe spent five plays um, worked on five plays, which is about 15 minutes of, of practice, like one session of, during practice, working on um, the option. And they, it, you know, it messed with them a little bit, um, especially when Indiana switched quarterbacks. And uh, I think that's why you saw the, the field goal, like they ended up getting into field goal range, but um, Ohio State didn't even really work on it. And they were fundamentally sound and were able to just switch right into stopping the option. And it was a, uh, you know, a great performance. This is the NWO orthopedics sports auto from the Fricker studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WF will be talking with Kevin Harris, writer for me at midfield, along with the comeback 
and awful announcing. This week, the Buckeyes take on Youngstown State. First time taking on an FCS team in a little while. I take it things are supposed to look even better for both sides of the ball uh, this coming week than they did last week. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like this is a it's it's a pretty solid program um, historically too. Um, hasn't been great since Bo Pelini left back in, I believe, 2019. Um, but you know, it's it's improving, especially for an FCS team. But at the end of the day, it's an FCS team, um, and like the way that these programs work is like, for the most part, a lot of these the players that are good on these rosters end up moving on and going to um, Division One and stuff like that. There just aren't a lot of players on this roster, if really any, that can um, compete with Ohio State. So. Uh, both sides of the ball, you can see, um, frankly, Ohio State is going to dominate this game. Like it's, This is going to be much more what Ohio State hoped for a season opener. And just how bad do you think uh, things get on Saturday? You know, so I'm really curious to see, with the new clock rules, you saw Ohio State was really limited to 10 possessions against Indiana when last year they played 17. So like their possessions are cut by like 40%. Um, I, I think if teams intentionally try to slow the game down, it could li- mitigate like the kind of blowouts that we're going to see in college football. It doesn't mean you're not still going to see like, you know, 40 to nothing games or whatever, but um, it could be more like the NFL where like a 35 to nothing win or a 40 something to nothing win is just an absolute blowout. I think that the scores could end up being much more like NFL scores these days. So um, it's tough to give a true score prediction, but it's going to be like a vintage blowout with um, with uh, Ohio State kind of dominating. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State ends up winning this game like 35 to nothing and, uh, you know, kind of uh, asserts its dominance and gets kind of clicking again and has people excited about Buckeye football again. You mentioned the new clock rules, and we'll talk about some of the other games obviously coming up. Multiple people on Twitter made their, I guess it's X, whatever the heck it's called, Multiple people made their thoughts known on the new clock rule. I know Chip Kelly made a, made a comment about uh, the clock rules uh, as well. Who asked for this is the nicest way I can ask why they made this change. I know this wasn't a surprise. I know we knew about it before the start of the year, obviously, but why? Why did why, What was the reasoning behind this move? Well, there's more commercial breaks is the honest truth, and that's why it's not going to go away because ESPN or all of these broadcast partners are making way more money because um, there's the same time window with less football being played. Like that's the honest truth. Um, You know, it's, I I know fans who watch the NFL versus college football last year, you could see a stark difference between the length of an NFL broadcast or or the, the amount of commercials in an NFL broadcast versus the amount of commercials in a college broadcast. And there's really no difference now. It's, you know, uh, Chip Kelly even said that like, we we only got like 10 offensive play, 10 offensive possessions or something like that. I hope you guys are selling a lot of commercials. And you know, that is what it is. Looking back at week one across college football, there were a handful of upsets, of course. Colorado uh knocking off TCU was one of the biggest. You also had Duke beating Clemson. Florida State wins big over LSU, even though you don't it's technically an upset, but Florida State just looked really good. Uh, North Carolina looked pretty good as well in their win against South Carolina. What were uh, some of your favorite games from uh, from this past week? Yeah, I mean, Florida State-LSU, that felt like a playoff game, like a college football playoff game. I think that's one 
Um, I really, I didn't, obviously I was in France. I didn't listen to what you and Ryan talked about. Sorry. Um, I assume that's one you guys talked about. I know Ryan was excited about that. Um, and he, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that, that both of those teams, I think are legitimate playoff contenders. And I think that that was one of the like defining games of the college football season really early in the season. Um, so I was excited about that, uh, huge, strong statement win by Florida state. The other one that I really liked seeing, um, I am sure Ryan talked to the, talked about this too, uh, the Duke versus Clemson game. That was not a fluke. You know, um, we had been calling saying that Duke had Clemson on upset alert. This is a Duke team that frankly should have been, was better than its record last year, even though they won nine games should have been ranked. I think last year should have been ranked in the preseason that returned everybody against, against a very inexperienced Clemson team that, had a lot of holes to fill. So um, that wasn't surprising to me, but it was cool to see um, it, that act, like experience actually matter still in college football. I'm not going to pretend that I'm the biggest expert, but I did make money on both Florida State and Duke winning. So I at least had that going for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, to me, Duke, it was mind-blowing that Clemson was a double-digit favorite in that game. Um, I, I, you know, I thought Duke, it was at Duke too. Like I- yeah. I would have had that much more as like a pick'em game, but even then, Ohio State really, Ohio State really just like, or not not Ohio State. I'm sorry, Duke really just dominated that game, and it it was clear from the start. Um, so I that was exactly what I expected, uh, frankly. And um, you know, it that doesn't mean Clemson's a bad team. It's just starting on the road. That was just a, a horrible matchup for Clemson to start on the road against one of the most experienced teams in college football with such an inexperienced squad. It just, it was a horrible matchup. Colorado beating TCU. Is Dion going to take over college football this quickly, or is that more of a fluke or is it somewhere in between? Yeah. You know, it's, he, he earned he, everybody doubting him before the season. He has earned his, uh, his kind of time in the spotlight. Um, I think it's probably a little reactionary to, you know, have Colorado like ranked this high or whatever. Like they're still, gonna face um <laughs> it, it's an uphill battle to being as dominant as i think dion has hyped hyped them up to be um we'll see if this is sustainable but man like it's he has proven that uh his recipe works i guess and if they have a better season than expected this season his recruiting is only going to get better so um it what will be interesting is to see if he continues this trend, whether he stays at Colorado or whether some of these bigger programs come knocking, like is Alabama going to look, is Nick Saban going to start retiring, look into retiring soon and Alabama just swoop in and hire coach prime. So we'll see there, but I'm definitely intrigued. They already got it from the commercials commercial. So that would be, that would be a pretty easy transition, at least in that regard. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, you keep the Aflac commercials. So just uh, pass, pass the sticks right to Dion. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios talking with Kevin Harris, meet at midfield rider, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Let's look ahead to this weekend's slate of games. You, of course, do have Nebraska taking on Colorado, so you get Matt Rule against Deion Sanders. You have Ole Miss against Tulane, a little ranked matchup. Texas A&M-Miami could be fun, could be super boring, could be somewhere in between. And, of course, the biggest uh, game of the weekend, uh, likely Texas-Alabama. What all are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I'm really excited for 
obviously the Colorado Nebraska game. I know both of those teams have been kind of jock or jocking back and forth, talking a little trash. So that'll be interesting. Um, especially if Colorado wins, it'll be interesting to see that Deion Sanders press conference, but <laughs> obviously the, the biggest game is, as you mentioned, Texas, Alabama. I'm interested in this game because I don't think either of these teams are all that good. And maybe that's blasphemous to talk about Alabama that way. I think this is probably the worst Alabama team since like 2009, maybe. I'm trying to think of the the Alabama team that won only eight games, but um, I'm not saying that they're only going to win eight games. This just like, they don't have a lot of like really good receivers. Um, They're they're breaking in a new quarterback who looked fine against a very inferior opponent. Um, I, I just, I'm not sold on this Alabama team but I might be less sold on Texas just as an idea. I think Texas hypothetically is the far better and far more talented team in this matchup, but there's just nothing about the Steve Sarkeesian program that leads me to believe that will actually be the case. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see which program kind of just like survives and advances in my mind. Um, I have a suspicion it's going to be Alabama, but Texas, just like I said, just across the board, Texas is one of the most talented teams in college football. But um, I'm just very much in believe it when I see it mode with Texas. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But I am interested in watching just because I'm not really convinced on either of these teams uh, heading into this season. Well, and you, you talked about Alabama. We've talked about Alabama a little bit over the last few weeks and, of course, over the years. But as far as Texas... You say that obviously there's no disputing kind of the recruiting and talent that they brought in. Obviously, Quinn, you started his career at Ohio State, but I don't know if it's just, I don't know how much of it's Steve Sarkeesian, but at a certain point, when can we be like, yeah, him as a head coach doesn't exactly work. Yeah, you know, like the thing thing that everybody's been hyping him up as a head coach, especially because he had a really good stint as an offensive coordinator at Alabama. But the reality is he has never won more than eight games as a head coach. It's just never happened. He won eight games at Washington. He won eight games in 2022 last year with Texas. So until he wins more than eight games, I'm not willing to just like buy in on Texas or their hype at all. You know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. He's got the team and the talent to get there. He's hypothetically got, you know, the the top rated quarterback recruit ever in Quinn Ewers. So maybe he'll shut me up. But like Quinn Ewers frankly, last year was horrific. If you look at his numbers, um, especially against like actually good teams, um, just just legitimately one of the worst quarterbacks in the country throwing downfield and Texas just hasn't made use of its talent. So I, I am very much in believe it when I see it mode with Texas, but maybe they'll shut me up. Who's to say any, uh, any upsets you feel confident enough to predict for the coming weekend or just anything (sighs) or anything that just really really looking forward to it can be either or yeah i want to i think Tulane's a better football team than ole miss so anybody who wants to watch that ranked game at 3 30 um i think Tulane's a better football team than ole miss i would not be shocked if it's a pretty decisive win for Tulane. i don't think ole miss is a great football team um i also keep this on your back burner i don't think appalachian state's going to win this game but i also don't think north carolina is a very good team either i think that game against south carolina there's a massive overreaction to that game um i i don't think north carolina is going to finish the season ranked i don't think south carolina south carolina i think is a 
pretty terrible football team too. I don't think they're going to make a bowl um, just based on the schedule that they have. So I think North Carolina beating South Carolina in that game, uh, it, it didn't do anything for me. So I would not be shocked to see at some point uh, things come to roost for North Carolina. I'm not saying it's going to happen against Appalachian State, um, even though that's a pretty solid football team. But at some point, I think the wheels are going to come off for North Carolina and that high 17 ranking. It, it's just way too high, way too high for that team. This has been Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to catch up with us. We'll catch up next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Lakota head football coach Mike Lento. You're on the end of Substantial Phoenix at Morgan Advanced Materials. We're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to Morgan Advanced advancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a 25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 730. This Friday night, the Lakota Raiders will head over to Tiffin to take on Tiffin County. Albert. We'll have coverage of that matchup from Frost Countdown Stadium. Pete Seymour, Tom Grind will have the action for you on WFOB. We're not pleased to be joined by Lakota head football coach Mike Lento here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Uh, doing great, man. Thank you for having us. Like I said, anytime we can talk about our boys or our program, we're more than happy to do so. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. So you had, of course, a handful of key guys to replace heading into this year. So going back kind of to the off season time, did you kind of have an idea on who were going to fill some of those uh, question mark spots or did you have more kind of questions and answers? Uh, it, it was, it was, we had a good idea of who was going to compete for jobs. We felt very comfortable coming in um, on, on guys having the ability to step up. We just didn't know who it was going to be, where they were going to step up into those roles. Uh, had a pretty pretty good offseason. You know, any coach is going to say they, they want their offseason a little better, but did a lot of team body, a lot, a lot of team building. And then uh, we rolled in, got a lot of competitive looks, to probably, did probably more seven on sevens than we've done in the past, but we want to make sure uh, we gave guys the opportunities to compete against other individuals. Um, had a great camp coming in. And obviously, when we rolled right into um, our acclimation days, you know, you can start now, you know, third week of July and then to uh, August. Uh, we really didn't have anything set until after our first scrimmage against Ottawa Hills. And uh, we were able to kind of put some things together and, and get our best 11 on the field. Yeah, and Coach, talking about that best 11 on the field and kind of piggybacking off of off-season discussion just in general. I've been curious as the season's gone on with the coaches when we talk to them. How do you feel about those acclimation days? I mean, I, I know back in the day I, I would have killed for five additional days to kind of get used to things and get ready going into the season. But I, I know it's kind of now seems to be 
baked into the offseason with the OHSA. How, how do you feel those go, and did that help with team chemistry as um, you guys were developing and building new players in the spots? It's it's tough. I mean, I mean I, their acclimation days, what makes it tough is we still have to have kind of like camp days that are there and use the 10 days. And um, But with use, being able to use them, like, utilize them as acclimation days is great for the fact of, you know, um, I don't know. I'm gonna. It's gonna. I'm gonna like sound like a double edged sword here. I say it's great because you can get acclimation days and get ready to go into that week one of uh, you know August one that first day. You can kind of get hit in a little bit, be ready for your scrimmage. But also at the same time is they're not mandatory days. So you got kids that are still trying to do a little bit of vacation, vacationing, families and things of that nature. So you know it's it's kind of hard to call them acclimation days, not make them mandatory days and. You know, you're not punishing a kid, but if he doesn't come and he waits till August 1st on that first mandatory day to start, then now they can't play in that first scrimmage because they need to get the acclimation days. And what sometimes was, you know, newbies, you know, junior high kids going to become freshmen or just maybe some parents and players don't understand is it's not a Mike Lento rule. It's not a Lakota rule. It is a state rule that we have to have these acclimation days. In, and it's been that way for years you know way back when so uh, again I, I just don't think i don't think us coaches are ever going to get used to having the season moved up the way it's been moved up the last couple of years uh to add the extra playoff game in this is the nwo orthopedics sports auto from the fricker studios on espn 1430 am 105.7 fm wfb lance morris matt common talking with lakota head football coach Mike Lento. And last week, you guys had a tough battle on the road uh, up against Northwood. What were some of the big things you uh, saw from your team in that game? Yeah, you know, we talked a couple of times about it, and it was the resilience. It was a look in their eyes. It was a different football team. You know, I've been here now. This is my seventh year as a coach. Uh, we've got a great uh, uh, coaches and assistants um, helping us build this uh, to where it's at. But you know, it's been a long time since we've had a win like that, in my opinion, at Lakota, where, you know, we've, we've won some close games and some big games, but they've always been shootouts. It's always been an overtime game. It's always been like a, a 30, you know, 36 to a 35. I cannot tell you the last time, again, my tenure here, uh, that we've had a defensive battle and we showed up and, you know, had a defensive safety that gave us the go-ahead two points uh, to win that game. And uh, our kids found a way to win. And in the past, we might have found ways to uh, uh, slip away in close games like that that were defensive battles. So could be more proud of our kids for stepping up and, and, and getting it done. And I have to ask uh, before Matt jumps in, I, I am a Northwood grad. So I've asked every coach that has happened to go there because, you know, I haven't had a chance to go out to that field yet. I never thought Coach James was going to go to turf. That's part one. But what was uh, what was the turf like uh, for you guys, and how did that play a role, if any, in uh, in the game Friday? I mean, it's beautiful. It's brand new. It's bright. You could have taken a pillow and a blanket and laid on it. That's why I was telling <laughs> Cannon before the game. I said, this, this is really nice. Um, you know, again, it, people like turf. People don't like turf. I think it makes, you know, rainy practices better, uh, makes uh, for, for better uh, rain games. But then also, you know, there's a, there's a soft place in my heart for, for grass, a grass field. And I think Lakota's got one of the better grass fields around. Our maintenance does a great job taking care of it. Uh, but uh, I, listen, if it's a surface that we can play football on, I'm there and we're playing. Well, Coach, let me start by saying thank you for beating Northwood since Lance is okay. an alma mater okay. of Northwood. That greatly appreciated. Uh, but talk, talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, 
those kind of games you mentioned, seeing that resilience from Lakota. You, you've been here seven years. You've definitely been helping build this program up. I know Lakota has been progressively getting more and more on the map because of the steps that you, your staff, and the school and community have really been doing. Well, what do you? What can you say about that kind of win? And how the season started for you guys in terms of, hey, you know what? The culture change is finally set in here at Lakota, and we're, we're here to stay now. Well, it's we, we told the guys going into Friday that it was a meaningful game. You know, Northwood's got a tough uh, non-league schedule now, and, and that's us including on that schedule. We know Northwood and Ken James is going to go find ways to win. And so you talk about, you know, playoff potential. I know it's early on in the season. But, you know, to get a win like that on our schedule with the with the potential playoff points or a division higher than us, we know they're going to go win four to five games and find a way to win four or five games. It is So it's nice playing a meaningful game, you know, in non-league. But then now by winning that game and being two and one going into league play, it makes every game from here on out that much more meaningful as far as what it stands for us and in potential postseason. And we talk a little bit about that. We don't bring it up a lot. But uh, again, we're going into Calvert this week. They're 3-0. and They've had some close close games. We know when we play them, it's always a juggernaut game and it could come down to the wire. And uh, but but again, it makes it it makes it meaningful for the rest of the season. And I think it's as a, as a coach, as a coaching staff, we couldn't be more proud of our kids to experience that, you know, and I've got two previous state championship uh, players that played for, uh, uh, the, you know, the Clyde Flyers when they won it um, on our staff. So, you know, they can kind of speak on that a little bit more than myself because I never made the playoffs in, in, as a high school player. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studio talking with Lakota head football coach Mike Lento. Through this part of the season, 2-1, and one, what's kind of the stance on where your team sits at this part of the season as you head in towards your uh, league schedule coming up? Uh, we're doing we're doing okay. I mean, we, we've got, we still have to eliminate mistakes. We've got some young guys in some key positions, but we talked to them. You know, this week as we, as we start as we continue to build that uh, we're now we're now in week four. So sophomores, you're really no longer sophomores. Freshmen, you're no longer no longer freshmen. You're playing a role in this program uh, to help us compete and win. So so you're growing up now. You've under you've got under the lights. You've felt the atmosphere. You've been in some big games. So now it's time to go eliminate those mistakes to get us in better situations um, to to either close the game out or or separate a, a lead uh, and make it larger. But uh, again, our leaders are stepping up, bringing these young guys uh, uh, with them, and uh, uh, it's just it's time to grow up now. We're week four. Well, I'll give you an opportunity here, Coach. If you got some younger guys that are starting to step up, if you want to give give any of them some name drops or some recognition, I mean, it's two, two and one for Lakota. I'll, I'll just be honest; that's one where it's you, you. Like I said, you guys have been turning heads the past few years, but a win against Northwood, a decisive, close, competitive win like that. I mean, you definitely got some people's attention. I think those younger guys really are part of that discussion. So any of them in particular that have stood out to you so far, first three games of the year. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we got a lot of them trying to play some special teams and, and, and earn that, but uh, we've got uh, Jalen Wagner. He's our quarterback. He's a sophomore. Uh, he was, uh, he got hurt uh, in his last couple of games in his eighth grade year towards ACL. So it took, took 12 months uh, to, uh, really rehab and get better. So, so, you know, he's, he's, you know, four games, you're going to be four games in. Um, and so he's, he's really done a good job stepping up and he's earned that job. I know Grant Bowman was our quarterback last year before he got hurt and Grant did not lose the job. 
uh, we thought of a, a way to potentially put him uh, on our field elsewhere to make us a better football team. You know, so so get Grant step up into a role, helping us be an H back, running back type of uh, a guy. Um, and like I said, Jalen stepping up, and you've got uh, uh, Steve Horniak. Stevie Horniak is a sophomore center, so you know our our, our center quarterback exchange is is, is exchanges sophomore to sophomore. Um, they're getting better. Um, they're they're not they're not hurting us. But uh, they need to continue to to make strides forward. Um, and another young guy, Max Nordhouse, he's a freshman. Um, you look at him; it's funny because you know he's still a freshman. He's a little bit immature. He's still a goofy, giggly kid, but uh, he looks like a man. Um, he's like six three, two forty. Um, does a good job on the defensive side of the ball for us, and and is able to step in um, and, and play. Uh, a little bit of offense, but then, you know, you go into our, our our older guys who do a great job. You know, you got Chase Dussel, who was one of the top receivers in the league last year. You got C.J. Biddle, who does does it all. Um, we can put him at quarterback. We can put him at receiver, running back. Uh, you know, you got Avery Schilling, who's a sophomore, but played last year um, as as a freshman who, who stepped up, who, who was stepping up big for us. Um, you know, and then you go up, up front, the rest of our guys up front. You know, you got Gabe, Gabe Garlic guys. Um, and I'll say this, and I hope you guys media does it. I mean, he's an all-state kid um, on either side of the ball. Uh, every coach comes up to me and be like, listen, we'll take 64. Whatever we can vote for him, we're going to vote for him. Um, so we lead the pack. And you got Isaac King as another senior there that, that, that stepped up. And then Drew Matz, on the, he's the right tackle. Um, and then we took a receiver, running back, and threw him at guard offensively. Paul Williams is in, in, stepping up. But our kids are playing in their roles. And when you can get kids to understand their roles, uh, makes it easier for all of us coaches. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Lakota head football coach Mike Lento. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Calvert. And like you alluded to earlier, they are unbeaten on the year, but they have been playing every game very, very close. What are some of those big things to look forward to in for uh, Friday night? I mean, they're well balanced. I mean, you know, you know they're going to take their shots. They can take their shots. They've got, you know, receivers all, you know, all over the place, and they're and they're not, they're not just receivers. They're 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 big, solid, strong kids up front. They're they're massive, so they're able to run the ball. You know, Warman does a great job. Uh, you know, you know, finding the seams and and getting there. So we've got to be able to contain their running game. And then Schultz does a good job. Not only can he throw, um, but he but he can he can run too. And defensively, they fly around. Uh, so we've got to be well balanced ourselves and be able to execute. And uh, you know, it's again another solid Calvert team. Uh, three and zero, and, and they we we all know, you know, winning gives you confidence. But when Calvert plays with confidence, they play at a different level, and you, and you can see it. And and they're finding ways to win. And Steve's done a great job uh, getting them ready to go this year once again. And coach, definitely a classic rivalry game, L- Lakota and Calvert. Seems uh seems you guys go to battle each and every year, Con- conference wise or not. Just seems like a classic. Classic rivalry every year. What can you tell us about that one coming into it? Obviously, like you said, 3-0, and competitive, close games. You talked about what you guys are expecting on the field, but from in the stands, good rivalry game where there's actually a pretty decent amount at stake for both teams going into this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, we hit our, our uh, a really tough stretch in our schedule right now, and I think anybody that, you know, again, the SBC River – I think any anybody wants to go watch small school football be play at its best. Uh, finding the SBC River game is going to be it. I mean, we go Calvert, Hopewell, Willard, Gibsonburg. So it's just a, just a tough stretch. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you throw throw the records. Uh, 
throw everything out when, when Calvert and Lakota play because it uh, usually goes down to the wire, um, whether it be the last drive, whether it be an overtime, whether it be the last throw. And now last year, uh, they, they caught us pretty good late in the game. And, and you know, we had some guys out of position. But uh, other than that, guys, I mean, it, you're right. It is it, 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 it is a battle. And, and we're hoping it's going to be another epic battle, another great atmosphere for both sides, uh, fans. And and uh, I know Calvert's going to come out and, and show out. And our, our fan base has been nothing but phenomenal this year. And we're looking forward to, to packing uh, Frost County ourselves. And you alluded to it a little bit, but – Last time you guys were at Frost County now two years ago was that crazy overtime game. And obviously another road test for you guys. Another week you guys go on the turf. And like you said with Frost County now, a little bit of a different atmosphere just because, you know, bigger stadium, college stadium, you know, for the Tiffin. So what what exactly is the atmosphere you're looking forward to seeing? I know you mentioned you're going to see plenty of fans there for both sides, but what are you looking forward to seeing in that uh, atmosphere-wise? Oh, it's good. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great place. You know, I, I, I've probably, you know, played my fair share, been there uh, more than some 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 coaches in the area. I've, you know, but going to Fremont St. Joe and, you know, we, uh, being on a Tiffany University team from, from basically 2004 to 2008. So very familiar with that place. Uh, it's kind of like home to me uh, when it comes down to that. But, uh, again, kids love to play in those type of atmospheres. So, again, a little bigger of a stadium. I think it's I, – I, in my opinion, it's going to be packed on both sides. So uh, our kids are going to get to 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 feel that, um, and it's just it's a classic downtown setting. I love it being down where it's at. You got houses in the in, in the one end zone, and so uh, it's a great place. And our kids uh, have been done a great job, no matter where we're at, being focused and ready to go. And so I think it just adds to the to the excitement of the game. And coach, as you just mentioned, a TU alumni, so you have your fair share of uh, time down on. At- I'm pretty sure because I was there in 2007. What, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it still carpet at that point, or did they finally switch the field turf? Oh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was that. It was that thin. It was that thin field turf. It was turf. It wasn't carpet, but it was. It was that thin field turf. Well, I, I was going to say, a, any fond memories or any uh, good scars from sliding safely into second during a play or practice? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. That you want to share? We were we were talking about it to my guys. I still have the scar on my arm that uh, my junior year, I got the first game of the year and it just ripped open and ripped open and ripped open. And, and so now I've got, uh, I've got the, uh, a nice little scar underneath my forearm, but uh, Hey, hats off to the Tiffin Dragons. Uh, they just set a school record. I think uh, they beat our school record from, I think 2006 uh, when we split up 71 points on Missouri Raw. Oh, wow. That, that was good on Tiffin University. Only reason I bring it up is I, I think it's a rite of passage and it's, it's kind of gone away now with the nice turf that they have at Frost Cow now that as a player, you, you have to leave a little bit of yourself at Frost Cow now as you play a game. Yeah, there's a little, there's, there was some DNA that got rolled up out of that last carpet from my, my form. Uh, and then lastly, for you, uh, for me, what is the kind of message you're, you're, for your team this week in practice? I know we've kind of talked about, you know, back and forth, the, the rivalry between you guys. So I don't imagine the message has to be super deep, but what, in fact, uh, ha- have you been telling your team this week? Oh, it's uh, I mean, it, it kind of sounds cliche, but it, it, it is. And our coach is doing a great job. You know, our OC, Ryan Lozier, um, he brought it up to the guys yesterday. I mean, again, just focus on us. Continue to do what we do. We're not. We're definitely not perfect at what we're doing right now. You know, so obviously, yes, we, we game plan and we see um, what our opponents are doing. But we also – uh, need to continue to get better. And so we're going to continue to sharpen the saw. 
not just physically, not just uh, schematic wise, but mentally. You know, we, we, we do some mental preparation stuff. Um, our, our locker room atmosphere has been nothing uh, but phenomenal this year. Uh, guys, guys buying in, locking arms, just waving, the look on their faces different. And, you know, we don't have many guys. I think we've got 28 guys that are dressed, but they're the right 28 guys right now and could be more proud of them. And this has been Mike Lento, Lakota head football coach. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Calvert. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Uh, and go Raiders. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back and talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from... It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Finley. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. The NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 730. The Finley Trojans got their second straight win in a major way with a big win over Sylvania Southview. This Friday, they take on Clay. They'll be back home at Donnell Stadium. We're not pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. Obviously, another big win for you guys this time over Southview. What were some of the big takeaways for you, for your team, uh, for the win in week three? Yeah, I think our guys, you know, in this journey of continuing to try to build a, a program that's, you know, built to last, I think we grew uh, last week as, as, as a program. And I think where we grew was the guys realizing the importance of a good practice week. And not that it wasn't before, but I think they're starting to see it. You know, we had our walkthrough on uh, Thursday, our run through on Thursday, and it was as clean and crisp as it's been ever. And, you know, the, the correlation, like, man, guys were like, coach, we, when we have good practices, when we have good Thursdays, like good things happen. And I'm like, you know, typically it doesn't guarantee you, but it gives you a better chance. So I, I guess I was excited about that. But then when you talk about the in-game part, we came out fast on both sides of the ball. Uh, we were doing what we were coached to do. And uh, defensively and offensively, we were clicking at all cylinders. And uh, I was really happy with our efforts on both sides of the ball. And, Coach, just as we finish that initial question there, I'm pretty sure Ryan Montgomery threw for another touchdown pass in about 200 more <laughs> yards. Um, we, it, it'd be silly for us not to talk about it. And I know you emphasized team over and over again. You guys had a phenomenal team win. But first team joke is not every day a kid throws for 500 yards and multiple touchdowns the way Ryan did. Can, can you talk us through, like, any like what he was seeing or was it just the offense was just clicking on all cylinders? I mean, that, that was an incredible incredible performance by him yeah um I think it was just more so when you when you when you feel like you have everybody on the same page um and everybody's you know doing their 111 I think you know like I said I we didn't we felt confident that we could do some good things but it was going to take everybody doing their part 
and you know nobody doing anything outside of themselves just doing what their coach should do and our guys did a great job of being in the right spots I, you know i know you, you talked about it and, and me and ryan were talking about it too like it literally it's it's confidence in everybody around you in order to be able to do that because if you're thinking from a quarterback perspective it's going to take one you relying on the receivers to be in the right spots and him to be able to anticipate where you guys are going to be uh, that way he can just turn read coverage and rip it uh it's going to take the linemen it literally takes every single person to do their part in order to make a night like that happen and, and that's where i think there's this true trust between each other and also with the coaching staff as well too so you know as a byproduct of doing what you're asked to do and nothing more you know good things happen and here we are with a, a record night for ryan this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. And you, you can't talk about all the records and everything that Ryan's done and not talk about the guy who, of course, came before him 20-some years ago in Ben Roethlisberger. And just what does that mean to him to break the record of a guy, you know, he's been working with often uh, over these last few off seasons? Kind of what can you talk about uh, from that standpoint for Ryan? I think it's unique, right? Unique. I think, it, and like Ryan said, I didn't even know if it's it's actually sat, you know, settled in yet fully. But I think his first initial reaction was like, like yeah, like how cool is that? Like I broke I broke Big Ben's record. Like this is a guy that I got an opportunity this past summer to go like actually train with and uh, gain some knowledge and wisdom on. And and boom, here we are this season. You go ahead and break his uh, his school record, and you know he knows how special that is and how unique that is, and. You know, those things don't come around too often. So pretty cool scenario and situation for him, especially coming with some of the family ties and his dad having a, a relationship with Big Ben, right? Like just pretty neat, pretty cool. And something that, you know, he's a kid, right? Like it'll it'll really settle in here in the next so many years. And talking about the offense, we, we could keep going on and on. I mean, the fact they broke ben, Big Ben's records is just incredible. Just absolutely phenomenal and incredible. Yeah. But uh, flip side of that, you guys had a pretty good defensive night, too. <laughs> so, uh, no I'll say it. I, 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 I know you're like me, an in-the-trenches grunt kind of guy. So I, I'll, I'll turn it over to the defensive side. Coach, you guys had yourselves a night on that side of the ball as well. We've had two good weeks. We've had two good weeks, you know, and um. You can even go back to the Central Catholic game, the first game. I know the score is one thing, but when I look at it, we uh, we, we had a goal line stand in that game. That was a that's big for us. I mean, that's that's a good thing in my book, especially where we're at now. And then to go and get a shutout at Lima, and then really to hold a team to fourteen points, and you know, in our, our eyes, you know, it really should have been seven points because you know the one time they scored was just a basic misalignment. You know, uh, we just weren't in the right spot that we should have been, and we got paid the penalty for it. So that's very typical, very very natural. But uh, they've got those guys have played really well. Coach Slater, our defensive coordinator, and the rest of the defensive staff have done a good job of schematically putting guys in the right spots and allowing our guys to make plays. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a good effort on both offense and defense. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN fourteen thirty AM one hundred five point seven FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Finley High School's head football coach. Stefan Adams and that is one thing that uh, I think Matt and I can agree we missed from the live in-person interviews from uh, when we met uh, coach Slater a couple years ago when he was yeah. uh, when you brought him in with uh, with your new staff what can you say about the development uh, you've seen from you know coach Slater and his guys you know on that side of the ball and what they've uh, continued to do yeah I think it's just we, we we've got some some you know over the course of time right as a program you 
you're you continue to understand the makeup of your team the makeup of kids you're getting and who we have and we tailor it towards obviously our strengths and what we can do and you're just seeing you're seeing true buy-in I think you're seeing as a result of true buy-in you're seeing guys going out and performing and working the game plan and having confidence in the game plan you know it's time spent around him it's time understanding what he's thinking um you know for our senior guys like understanding what he's thinking and where they need to be and what they need to do so I think it's just the, the continuous growth and continuous coaching that goes into it and attention to detail and putting together a staff that can really go out there and coach the key points that need to be coached. And it's been a very cohesive group on, you know, as far as the staff goes this off season of really, here's who we are, here's what we're doing, here's how we have to teach it. And then I think the utmost confidence is coming through our guys having confidence and faith that he will put them in the right spots and they're able to go out there and execute it and be themselves as well too. So, you know, really good job by him and, and really, really impressed that, I mean, he's a head coach, you know, he's a head coach. He was a head coach and still can be very well. And um, to have that kind of pedigree and have a guy on a staff like that is, is just invaluable. Uh, so carrying on with that, uh, one of the things that kind of stands out to me between your staff and just your team in general really seems we, we talk about chemistry week in and week out. I, I, I preach that all the time, how important it is. I know you do too, but uh, the chemistry that you guys had, everything going right. And the fact it was in your first conference game for the NLL. So I, I'll go ahead and ask coach, do you kind of feel like this is something where you may have made a statement coming into the NLL? Like, Hey, we're here. We're not going to go anywhere. We're, we're here to compete and we're here to win. Cause not, not every day a team that moves into a new conference comes out firing on all cylinders the way you guys did in your first conference matchup? Yeah, you know, and I, and I got that question, you know, Friday night, and I, and I said, you know, we weren't, we really weren't focused on, you know, trying to make a statement. If anything, I think we were really focused on the process. And, you know, the process being one day at a time, getting better one day at a time, and doing everything we can that week daily to be able to go out and perform at a very high level. I think we, our kids have confidence in what we're doing schematically. And I think also they have belief in what we're doing and themselves as well, too. Okay, but we have to go out there and be able to show that right away. We can't wait. Last year, like a couple of years, we spent some time kind of starting off slow and then kind of catching our wind, right? Like, we don't want to do that. So in order to do that, we need the workers on work, focus on each day, and then we'll kind of see where the cards fall. We did know the severity of it is a conference game. You know, it is a crossover conference game. It is an opportunity to, to really start out strong in there, but it wasn't so much of a focus to where, like, it, we were – trying to make a statement if anything we're just trying to justify the work that we've done and the work that we've been doing and that we are a good football team we just got to go show that so that was more about focus than actually making a statement now if it made a statement and that's how people felt about it great but you know our focus is really just on a process talking finley high school's head football coach stefan adams here on the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the frickers studios is there anyone we haven't uh pointed out to be it uh a lineman or a guy on one one or both sides of the ball uh, that you have that you would like to highlight for uh, what they did uh, this past week. Uh, you know, yeah, I think it's it's very very important to recognize both our offense and our defensive line. Um, you know, that's a team that really wanted to run the ball and to only allow really one major explosive run for a touchdown. We've really kind of shut the run down. So really, hats off to the defensive lineman and Smith. Uh, Elijah Johnson, uh, Ashton Yeager, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you know we're starting we're starting five under five underclassmen and five guys who were not our starters last year. You know, so to Baylor Wilkins, to Giovanni, 
uh, to Zach Searles, to Brody Smith, uh, and to our right tackle that we have Ben Mueller. Like, big shout out to those guys for uh, allowing uh, the time to be able to have such a historic night. Um, you know, those guys picked up the books very well. We were well coached by our offensive line coach, Matt Iliff, and, you know, big hats to him and it's what he, the work he did to get those guys prepared. So, yeah, big shout out to the big guys because, uh, you know, don't want them to go unmissed, but a lot of work went into making this historic night go, and it really starts with those guys up front. Well, you know what they say, for every great stat night, there's an even greater offensive line behind it that made yep. it happen. Yep. So, just because, you know, offensive linemen, the true skill position players yep. on the field any any particular day, that's just my two cents. <laughs> no. But, uh, but I, I am curious on that one, though, seeing that uh, cohesion this early in the season. I know you talked about it a little bit with my previous question of, you know, yeah. kind of moments where you guys were kind of getting up to speed over the past two years. This year, you kind of are hitting the ground running already. And you're doing it with an offensive line that's still building that chemistry, still gelling together. I, I, what can you say about that, that development from just in the offseason, start of training camp to already week three, putting up record numbers and frankly looking pretty consistent doing it? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a credit to really the the, uh, the 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 year three. You know, I hate to sound like redundant and boring about it, but like to the process, to staying strong to kind of what we wanted and how we wanted it to be done. And our kids really committing this offseason to like, hey, like, you know, you know, it's the same, you know, we know Coach Adams is here. It's year three. We know what he wants. We know what needs to be done. And, and really kind of embracing that, you know. So just all the extra work that went in, all the extra film study, you know, really from January on to, to the bonding things that we did as a team to going down to Ohio Wesleyan and spending three days there together and taking the kids' phones, like, I accredit it to all that stuff. You know, that stuff is what allows, you know, what you see at this very moment to really happen because that's where relationships are formed. That's where relationships are built. That's where, that's where the foundation is really, uh, you know, really honed in on and really making sure that foundation is strong and it's up to date and, you know, the whole nine yards. So I think really for us, it goes back to a lot of the the individual and the conversations, a lot of the team functions, a lot of the building relationships and just being able to like each other, <laughs> you know, um, and because of what we did in, in the off season, it really, it really laser focused on the guys who really wanted to be a part of this and who really wanted to commit to being part of a team. Cause we raised a lot of the expectations. You know, the kids have met the expectations. And um, with that being said, there's a very likability and a very, I want to go hard for my brother next to me because I know how much work went into getting to this point. So, I think you're seeing the fruits of the labor of year three. I think this is the second consecutive week you've, quote, buried the lead. You were able to get a group of 13 to 18-year-olds, I'll say, just for a guesstimate. You were able yeah. to get them to not be on phones for three days? Yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, here was the funny thing about it was, you know, I, a lot of our conversation this year, you know, I, I you communicate with parents. I've put heavy emphasis on communication with kids. Like, okay, hey, guys, I'm communicating with you guys, and then it's going to be your job to communicate with parents, right? So I told the guys, hey, I'm, I'm taking your phones, taking your phones. We're going down to this camp, I'm taking your phones. And everybody's like, oh, okay, coach, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, yeah, I'm just giving you guys a heads up. Get down there, I'm taking your phones. Please tell your parents. Some guys did, some guys didn't. So I'm not going to communicate that with them. You guys are going to communicate that with them. So we get down to camp, and um, I pull out a little crate. I get a little piece of tape, put the name on the back, Put them in the bin. 
They're like, we didn't think you were serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. And um, but what came out of it was so unique. It, it was I'll never forget we left and my seniors and some a couple of my seniors primarily were like, Coach, like you can keep the phone. Like, I don't even want it anymore. And then a couple of guys were like, hey, man, I, this, this sucks. And I'm like, what, what sucks? And they're like, that it's done. Like, I, I want to keep going. I want to stay, you know. But I think it's because of the forced interactions that they had to have. You know, the sitting out in the hallways playing cards, the to to making up games, to sitting in the lounge area, just watching TV and just talking life. And, you know, just all those little things that, that you know, we can get that can get lost in the sauce as you, uh, you know, you're busy and life happens and your phone's in front of you. So. I think that's what really that really I would say that really did a number in a positive way for our program for our team. Well, well coach, two part question or not really yeah. two part question statement and then a follow up question for that. First of all, certainly making me feel some kind of way as we're doing this interview on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> certainly making me have a deep reflection moment here on that, that one. Was, was, was not prepared for that in this interview. <laughs> um, number two, on behalf of all the parents out there that are listening, how'd you get them to agree to it? I'm sure every parent wants, what, what's the secret? What was it making them run laps? Was it, it was the only way they could get to go down? What was the secret? I'm, I'm, we could bottle it. We could sell it. We could all retire to an island in the Maldives. The secret, <laughs> the secret, that out. The secret to, to taking them? Yes, to taking them and having them agree to let them be taken. <laughs> well, once again, I told you, I didn't overly communicate that with the parents. I told the kids to tell the parents that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but but I, I did it on the, on, the, on the onus of accountability. And I think, honestly, the parents loved it. No, thank you. I got so many thank yous and so many, they had a blast. Or what'd you guys do down there? Because we didn't get a chance to talk to them. So like, what'd you do? Because they all said they loved it. You know, um, I think they're appreciative uh, of that face value conversation and, and and just hanging out with the guys and just being just locked in on football for three days uninterrupted. Um, so it, it, nothing but positive things came out. And, you know, I, I, I did have a, a couple that were wondering about their baby and um, why he wasn't answering his phone, in which I responded. It was his job to tell you. And they said, well, he didn't tell me anything. And I said, well, that's a, a breakdown of communication. How about that? Um, so... <laughs> You know, it ended up going really well. I said, I didn't, I'm still here right now and I was not fired. So I guess it, it went better than I expected. <laughs> and next week's interview will be done with handwritten letters. It'll be very yes. entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. It was useful, man. It, it, everybody understood the, the the idea behind it and the why behind it. And like I said, it was a lot of positive things and, and parents appreciate that opportunity for their kids. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys will take on Clay. They are 2-1 with wins over Sandusky and Northview. Lost last week to Whitmer. What are some of the big things you're all looking forward to seeing from them on Friday? Yeah, I mean, they got a stud quarterback, man. He's uh, he's pretty electric and electric in a multitude of ways. Uh, very electric with his legs. Uh, and then very electric with his arm as well, too. If I'm not mistaken. He's got a opportunity to, to, to or extended an offer to him from uh, the University of Toledo. Um, so I think that tells you he's a pretty talented kid. And I'm not, I know as well he's a pretty talented baseball player, too. So just a good athlete, a guy that we're going to have to really contain. I think they've done a really good job. It, it looks like the last uh, so many years they've done some things and tweaks and changes to their program and 
have created some major excitement, got some good numbers out, some good sized kids out and are, are trending up. So, um, you know, we, they, they, we always seem to start and come out a little slow against them. And I think it's due to the nature of kind of the things they do, the things they're doing, some of it being a little unorthodox, but, uh, you know, I, I expect a, a good game, a good, very, very physical um, and challenging game. that's going to really test our, our discipline as far as our fundamentals go. And coach for a game like this against Clay, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's it seems like it's a good back and forth every time. How, how much is that going to help being at Donnell for that one? Oh, it's always good to be home. It's good to be home. I mean, it has that has some significance to the night. Uh, it's military appreciation night, so you know a good chance to honor those who serve and who serve our country and uh, all the great things they do. So you add that into it. You add being at home. You know, we love playing at our stadium. We love the environment that it brings. So. Uh, it definitely helps being able to be at home versus being away, uh, you know, in this kind of setting against uh, this team. And how much, if at all, does it play a role of this might be a new conference opponent, but they're not really a new conference opponent. They're a team you've obviously played over the last few years. They also came over from the track and, you know, just the familiarity you have with them overall. Yeah, it, it means something. I mean, that's what we talked about. The first two games were about kind of measuring sticks, right? Like, those are the, those were important at the time because of they were in front of us, you know, and then being able to go next week. So like, Hey, okay, now we're into to league crossover play. You know, it really, it, it now, it, it really does. It means a lot more. Um, so just understanding that we, we, we definitely want to really continue on the, the positive things we have going. Uh, but we also understand that, that we got teams in front of us that are one one piece of us. So conference opponent, a familiar opponent, you know, a chance to improve and go one and know and, and boost ourselves and where we are as far as overall in the conference goes, because these are the crossover games. You know, there's two divisions and we're, we're in a different division than Clay is. So these are one of the crossover games that we have before we really hit uh, down the stretch our own uh, our own games that, that really impact kind of conference winners. So it still means something. We still want to take care of uh, the NLL and then let everything else fall where it falls. And coach, the, the, this wall isn't going to run through itself. You, you know, I need my message for the week going into this one message from us, for the fans, for everybody out there that are getting ready for a good one Friday night for you guys versus Clay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we just got to continue to be selfless. I think we, we in a night like military appreciation, like you talk about the ultimate sacrifice, right? Like uh, sacrificing your life for, for millions and millions of other people, you know, and here we are, we get to play this wonderful game of football you know, where I, I feel sacrificing and, and giving up one's self or one's uh, specific desired goals for the team is what we have to carry on because we've been doing that really well. You know, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. You know, don't be selfish. Don't be locked into selfish. Go out there. And the thing I saw from Marcus Freeman that I loved was the, the best thing that you can do to your opponent to show them respect is go as hard as you possibly can. Well, I think when you expand that a little bit, the, the best thing that you can do for a vet for 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 a veteran for anybody who served or our fans in our community alone is reward them by going out there and giving it your very best and being very very selfless versus selfish you know so as we go out tonight celebrate each other celebrate those who have come before you celebrate the people that are there to watch you play you know remember it's not about you it's about the team so uh people made the ultimate sacrifice they just want to come for a little bit of peace of heaven let's give them a little bit of peace of heaven tonight so that's kind of my message to the guys this weekend this has been Finley High School head football coach Stephen Adam. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday night against Clay. Appreciate you guys.
With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back to look ahead to the start of the NFL season here on the NWO. Hi, this is Dom from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Back here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with Awful Announcing and the Comeback. Lacona head football coach Mike Lento and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams for joining us on the show. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our interviews and shows from past seasons. We might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Go online to Frickers. Dot com and Matt, we are just over 24 hours away from the start of the NFL season when the Kansas City Chiefs play host to the Detroit Lions to get things started. Let's talk with some some general stuff before we kind of look ahead at the week one slate. There's a handful of players that, uh, for one reason or another, mostly because of their contract situations, uh, do not seem to be happy. You got Chris Jones, Nick Bosa, Chandler Jones, Mike Evans, just a handful of them. How do you think some of those situations play out? Because some of them are like, oh, I might be willing to hold out into the season. Others, maybe not so much. Kind of where, where do you think uh, some of those situations wind up? Oh, well, Chandler Jones, I think he's probably the highest risk situation here because they did just draft Tyree Wilson, number seven overall. And for, for my money, I actually had Wilson graded as the second best player in the entire draft. So I'm if I were him, I understand his frustration. I understand what he's upset about. I may reconsider my strategy just a scotch when it comes to that because they did draft your replacement and you are on the back end of your career. So if I'm Chandler Jones, I'd probably reconsider that strategy a little bit. Chris Jones, it seems like he has a contract dispute with the Chiefs every couple years. So I feel this will probably get resolved at some point that the organization there doesn't really seem like the cut kind that will screw something up, especially with someone as vital to their defense as Chris Jones. I mean, my goodness, the the points allowed and rushing allowed, they're second in the NFL when he's on the field. They're 27th in the NFL when he's off the field. I mean, it's you, you have to figure that out. Nick Bosa, uh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I don't care about Nick Bosa. I'll you don't honest. care about Nick Bosa. What do no, you I- mean? 
I'm not a fan. I'm not a Nick Bosa fan. I, I, I genuinely am not. I, I, it's the same thing, respectfully, with guys like TJ Watt and some of the other younger brother situations when they come into the NFL with a lot of hype. It's, I can't, I'll be perfectly honest. I, I think if you were to ask me who I'd rather have, Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, I'd rather have Joey Bosa. I'll just be honest. I, I think Nick Bosa had a good season. I think a lot of people saying that he's the greatest defender in the league and the next great defender outside of Aaron Donald is kind of out to lunch. Personally, that's just my two cents once again, because I think he's been his whole career surrounded by an elite defensive line and an elite linebacker core. So it's I, all, all I'd say is if you put Miles Garrett on that San Francisco defensive line, he's getting 30 sacks a season. So maybe let's pump the brakes on Nick Bosa being like the second coming of Howie Long or Deacon Jones or someone like that. Uh, Mike Evans, I feel, really depends on what Tampa wants to do. Do they think that they can compete or are they going to blow it up? Because September 9th deadline, that's coming right around the corner. But if you elect not to change his contract or give him a new contract, He's going to play 110%. He's going to have a great season. He'll break 1,000 yards again this year, 10th year in a row that he's done that. But by some, by the same token, he's a valuable trade asset. You do not let that walk out the door. And it kills me to say it because I love Mike Evans. And I want him to be with the Bucks until he retires. But if you can't get the contract done, he's probably a second-round pick, maybe even a low late first-round pick kind of caliber player. So it, that changes the discussion a little bit around that. So I don't know. I, I see most of these contract situations kind of playing out with these players probably ending up on other teams. Maybe the only exception being Chris Jones, possibly Mike Evans. They, 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 might, they might decide to view Mike Evans as a player that deserves to finish their career with Tampa. So we'll see. But the other ones, yeah, if I'm Chandler Jones, I really do not. I really do not keep the strategy going. Tyree Wilson is literally right around the corner from replacing you. So maybe, maybe change that strategy a little bit. Who are some of the teams that you are high on, whether they were, you know, Super Bowl contenders, or maybe they're just going to be better in their division and anything of that nature. Who are some of the teams you like? Well, I'll tell you what, um, I mean, the Bengals are going to be good. So I guess I could say lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. On that situation because I'm very bullish on the Bears this season. I, I'm in the camp of Justin Fields, I think, is going to have an MVP-level campaign, especially now that they've drafted offensive linemen, brought in some good skill position players to go around him, made the trade to get DJ Moore as a true wide receiver one. And uh, I'll even take a step further. Lamar Jackson is incredible. I think Justin Fields might be the best running quarterback in the NFL right now, even over Lamar Jackson. So I'm very high on them. Uh, Bengals, I think, are going to be very good again this year. Um, they're, they're just they're so stacked. It's just a matter of keeping Joe Burrow healthy is the only question mark there. And the Lions, I mean, they're, they're getting the NFL opening kickoff game tomorrow night. And I think it's for a good reason. They turned a lot of heads last year. And I, I know I was one of the people cracking jokes about Dan Campbell talking about getting kneecap biters for his team. But they, they bought into it. That's an aggressive, high-energy team. Um, I was a little surprised by their draft this year. 
But from everything I'm seeing on tape, everything I'm seeing during scrimmages and preseason, Jameer Gibbs looks like he might be the next breakout rookie running back, even more so than Bijan Robinson. Uh, the defense looks good. I think they may have solved their secondary problems a little bit. And if that's the case, you got a good receiver core. You got an above average quarterback in Jared Goff. And I can't believe I said that sentence out loud. A pretty solid offensive line and a coaching staff that's bought in. So, yeah, I, I like the Lions. And of course, Tampa Bay is a Super Bowl contender. I mean, Baker Mayfield is going to turn everything around. I'm kidding. It's going to be such a bad year for my Bucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's going to be painful, but uh, no, those, those teams I'm pretty high on in the AFC. I like your chargers. I really do. I like some of the moves that they made. Um, and I can honestly say, I think the jets with Aaron Rodgers will at least be entertaining to watch. I don't know if they'll be good. <laughs> they certainly look good on paper, but we'll see. Are, are they going to get the Aaron Rodgers who won the MVP with like, the third stat line a couple years ago, or are they could get last year's Aaron Rodgers. We'll find out, but it's definitely some teams out there that are catching my interest. And oh, two more, I'll just mention another AFC East with the Miami Dolphins. I think Tua and his training that he's done, he's really in a good spot with that. Plus, great receiver core, great offense around him once again. And the spotted kitties. I'm all about the Jaguars. I actually think Jacksonville could make a Super Bowl run this year. I really do. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. It's Morris Matcom and talking some NFL action. And we just talked about who we're high on. So who, in fact, are you down on? Whether they're some of the teams people think are going to be good or things of that ilk. What teams do you think are not going to be great? And I'm excluding the Cardinals because the Cardinals might win four games if they're lucky. See, I don't know why people are so down. I get to an extent why people are down on the Cardinals. I think they'll still at least be halfway decent. I, I do not see them doing the full-on tank job. I, I I think it's possible they're trying it, but the NFC is so weak. I still think they'll accidentally win five or six games. Like it's the, it, In spite of their efforts, it is the Arizona Cardinals. They don't do a whole lot of things correctly, so they probably won't even tank correctly in this particular situation. So I'm, I'm not as low on them. I will say, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little concerned about what would amount to a sophomore slump for Seattle with Geno Smith. I mean, the season that he had last year caught everybody off guard, really kind of turned everyone's head. But now people are going to be kind of gunning for him. I, I'm curious to see if Geno Smith really is going to be the real deal or if he's a Derek Anderson or like a one-year wonder kind of situation. So uh, probably not as high on them as other people are. Uh, same with the Vikings. I, I think they proved themselves to be paper contenders last year with their record, and I, I think it might be a little bit more of a rough year this year. Uh, Dalvin Cook being gone just because they decided sabermetrics are more important than what you actually see on the field to each their own. It's I think their running game is definitely going to hurt a little bit. They're going to have a good passing game. Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, uh, Kiki Osgood up there. I mean, there's there's good players to be had in the receiving core. Just It's also Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins without a running game, I'm a little hesitant about. Uh, Buffalo, actually another team that I'm I, – I, I look at their schedule. I look at the team. I look at everything that's going on with them, and I, I have some question marks. I really do. Uh, their offensive struggles that they've had at different points. I don't think a single tight end fixes that 
like they seem to think with Dalton Kincaid. I'm very surprised they didn't go after either Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook. I'm really surprised they didn't go after Kareem Hunt. It's that they, they seem perfectly content with what they have, and that's all fine and good, but <laughs> excuse me. What they have hasn't finished the job, hasn't worked necessarily. So I, I'm I'm a little worried that the other teams in the AFC East and in the AFC have caught up to them. And just for fun, because I know you'll enjoy this, I'm down on the Patriots. I'm very down on the New England Patriots. I actually think this might be a brutally rough year for them because everyone else in the AFC has gotten good. I know it's Bill Belichick and kind of the same situation as Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. It's by sheer force to will, he might get them to nine and eight or something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I have major question marks about what they've been doing. Having Ezekiel Elliott brought in is great, but is he going to be a distraction at times? They already had a pretty decent running back room. Mac Jones, there's a lot of question marks around him in year three, and the receiving core is a little suspect as well. It's I'm I'm very convinced it might be a surprisingly rough year in New England, but by the same token, it may all be part of Bill Belichick's grand scheme and grand plan, and somehow he ends up with Marvin Harrison Jr. next year as a wide receiver for Mac Jones. Who knows? But yeah, I'm down on them, and I, I gotta say, sadly. I'm down on my books. I'm, I'm down on Tampa Bay. I, I think they may have a rough, rough season ahead of them. I don't think it's going to be as bad as everyone says it's going to be. I don't think they're going to be the second or third worst team in the league, but I really think they have a hard, hard road ahead of them to try and repeat as NFC South champions. So I, I'm going to say I'm a little down on them. Hoping I'll be proven wrong, but we shall see. I mean, you kind of alluded to it with the NFC, but it's, it's interesting because we think Philly will be good. We think the Giants and Cowboys will both be good. We presume the Niners and Seahawks, one of them will be at the top of that division, one will be two. But aside from that, I mean, that's five of the teams. You still got to get some more teams for the playoffs. I don't know who's coming out of the South. The North, it could be Detroit. It could be Minnesota. It could be Green Bay or Chicago. I really don't know what to expect with that division. The NFC just as a whole, I I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, the 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 NFC right now, I mean, it's a it's a steep drop from the top tier teams to the middle of the pack teams. I'm I mean, I would say Philadelphia, I would say San Francisco are probably in that elite category. But the rest of those teams you just mentioned, like Dallas, the Giants. Um, Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, really the whole NFC North. It's one of those years, the NFC North, NFC South are completely up for grabs. And heck, even the NFC East to some extent is completely up for grabs. It's not like you have in the AFC where AFC West, okay, it's Kansas City and everybody else. Maybe Los Angeles can sneak up on them. In the South, it's Jacksonville because the other three teams are in complete tear it down and rebuild mode. In the East, it's probably Miami or Buffalo, a little bit more open. And then the AFC North is kind of open as well. But, yeah, no, the NFC, I, I, I see three legitimate playoff teams. And I think the rest of them just get in because, frankly, they need to have other teams in the playoffs. And then you, of course, have the awards. You have MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all that good stuff. Are there any guys – 
that you see in any of those uh, spots that either have already won the award or would be a newcomer? I know it's kind of easy. You can kind of always say like Mahomes for MVP because he's already won a couple. But what uh, what are what are some of your favorites for those uh, different awards? Yeah, I was I was gonna say we we should preface this by saying Patrick Mahomes is most likely the actual MVP of the league every single season until proven otherwise. It's just a mat. It's it's the LeBron James Kobe Bryant problem. It's the same thing for him at this point. He's really the best player. It's just they don't want to keep voting for him because it makes everyone else feel bad. So, uh, for me, MVP, I do like Justin Fields. I actually like Trevor Lawrence a decent bit for that as well. I like how they've built up around him. I think Travis Etienne is going to have a breakout season, and I think Doug Peterson turned out to be the right guy for the job down there in Jacksonville. So I'm pretty high on him being in the conversation. I do think Justin Fields is probably my top candidate, especially if they get out firing early and Chicago wins the NFC North. I really think it's going to be almost entirely because of him. Uh, Defensive player of the year. I'm going to keep it local. I think it's Miles Garrett. I think having Zadarius Smith there, the defensive line they built up around him, it, this, on paper, this is the best defensive line that Miles Garrett has had in his entire career. And he's almost gotten to 100 sacks in spite of that. So I really think he's going to have a massive, massive season. And especially with Nick Bosa sitting out, Chandler Jones out, it's, t- it's really going to be between him and TJ Watt, I think. Maybe Fred Warner out of San Francisco. But my money's on Miles Garrett, offensive player of the year. Pick an LSU wide receiver, Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Um, maybe someone sneaks in out of nowhere, like ETN or something like that as a running back. But I, I think Jefferson's going to break 2,000 yards receiving this year, possibly the same for Jamar Chase. So it's going to be one of those guys. Um, comeback player of the year. As soon as he steps on the field, it's Jamar Hamlin. That's discussion's over at that point. The, the, the man almost died on the field, and he's back to full playing strength. As soon as he steps on the field, he is the comeback player of the year. And then rookies of the year, I'm going to go, especially now with the Chandler Jones thing, I'm going to say Tyree Wilson defensively. I, I think he's a prime pick for that. I could also see Emmanuel Forbes or Christian Gonzalez in the secondary. Offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to actually go a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to say Jameer Gibbs. It, it may be a bit of a stretch, but I think it'll be Jameer Gibbs. I think he's going to have a Ezekiel Elliott-style breakout rookie season, and he could really turn some heads. Looking at the week one slate Thursday, of course, we have Lions-Chiefs. Sunday, Dolphins-Chargers, Bengals-Browns, Jags-Colts, Niners-Steelers, Packers-Bears, Cowboys-Giants. A lot of divisional and interesting matchups on Sunday, and then Monday night, We'll get the Bills against the Jets. What are some of those games you are uh, looking forward to seeing the most? Oh, well, definitely Thursday night, the tomorrow night, Lions Chiefs. That one really, what we're going to find out quick if the Lions are the real deal this season. Uh, Cowboys, Giants, that's just a fun one to watch. Both teams hate each other's guts. It just really makes it entertaining. And you'll get a good idea of what to expect from both those teams this year. Um, uh, and our one that kind of sticks out to me is that uh, Bills Jets game Monday night. That's one that I'll definitely be keeping tabs on because we're going to find out what kind of Aaron Rodgers the Jets invested that tra- draft capital and all that money into getting. We're going to see if Dalvin Cook can take over for Brees Hall or if Brees Hall's back to 100%. Personally, what I love, what I can't wait to see is Garrett Wilson with a top tier quarterback throwing him the ball again. I, I think he might have a. Uh, 
possibility for like most improved player of the year, which is saying something since he was the rookie of the year last year. So uh, those games stand out to me and Browns Bengals, just because it's the battle of Ohio. You got to enjoy that one. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly here with more on the NWO Orthopedic Sports Auto from the Frickers Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB, big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback. Lakota head football coach Mike Lento and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams all joining us on the show today if you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again head over to wfob.com click on the podcast page you can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons and of course stop by the frickers in finley for their daily specials monday boneless freaking chicken wings day tuesday freaking chicken wings day tonight get their sirloin steak dinner thursday their freaking chicken chunks kids eat free all day every day at frickers pick up from the carryout window dine in or get delivery through doordash download the frickers app to see more and to place an order find them online at frickers.com and don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way friday night it'll all get started at six o'clock with the nwo orthopedics psych up show from the frickers studios where wilson trayvon hastings will preview all the games for week four of the high school football slate on classic kids we'll have more action in the bvc arlington will finally be at home after three games on the road to start their season they will bring in elmwood friday night jimmy nicholson and i will have all the coverage of that one from arlington Friday on Classic, it's 96.7. And on WFOB, we'll have coverage of an SBC River matchup. Lakota taking on Calvert. Pete Seymour, Tom Grine will have that one for you Friday on WFOB. Then after the game, stay tuned in for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon will recap all the games for week four of the high school football season. From our broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Fricker Studios for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thanks for dropping in. Catch you in the next one.